Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is Brock Edwards. And as we wrap up 2019, I'm counting down Imperfect Action's top 10 most popular episodes. And at number eight is Tuomas Ranakari. Now, Tuomas is one of the few people to have been on the show more than once, and he's the only one to have two episodes in the top 10. Tuomas is a many things. He's a PhD student, he's an ethnomusicologist, he's a composer, and he's a violinist. And he's perhaps best known for his work with the folk metal band Corpaclani. In this episode, he discusses the challenges and the new realities of the music business, the importance of authenticity over best business practices. And I love that part of our conversation because he gets into how from a traditional marketing perspective, from what all the experts would tell you, he says, you know, they do everything wrong and yet they're highly successful at what they do. Now, he also gets into the idea of creating alignment with inspiration and using guide, using, sorry, using joy as a guide stone for our decisions. Both philosophical and practical, our conversation goes much deeper than music or business and really touches on living an authentic life with impact. And that strikes such a deep chord with me. It resonates so deeply that I've gone back and I've listened to our conversation perhaps half a dozen times in the past year. Now, again, this is one of my favorite episodes. If you haven't heard it, I think you're going to love it. And if you have heard it, it's a great chance to listen to it again, because this is so much deeper than what we typically get into when we're talking just about business. Let's get started. Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And as you know, this is the podcast where we're looking for ideas and inspiration to help us take that first step or that next step, basically to get unstuck and get out of our own way and cover a wide range of topics. And I've had several musicians on in the past. We had Jeremy Boyum from the, he's the bass player for Shadow of Wales. And he just relentlessly connects with fans. Really impressed me just with the way he reaches out to people. We had John and Christian, also known as Pat and Skull from JT Music. Again, two guys that just create an amazing connection with their fans and they're relentlessly putting out music. And we also had Rocket and Vinny from Rocket Gaming. And that is the connection there, that that these are all super nice, excuse me, super nice guys putting out great quality stuff and relentless about it and with a special emphasis on how they are connecting with people. And I see the strong connection between being a musician, being an entrepreneur. um, And I think lessons apply to both. I mean, as a musician, you are your own boss. You deliver a product and service. You have to build relationship with customers. You have to market yourself. You have employees and support staff. You've got to deal with everything. And so today's guest, very, very excited about this one's uh, been a couple months in the building and it is uh, Tuomas Ranakari and uh, Tomas, I know I mispronounced that because we were just talking about it. But um, anyway, he is the violinist for the Finnish folk metal band Corpaclani. And among other things, also a composer and ethnomuseologist. I can't even pronounce that one. And uh, working on finishing up PhD. Uh, Tomas, you started playing violin when you were six. You studied and played classical blues, progressive rock, free jazz, world music, indigenous music, and even metal on your violin. And I don't know if that even starts to scratch the surface of all you've done. Can you just give us a a quick rundown on who you are and what you're up to? Anything I didn't cover? 
Uh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's always a kind of a big task for me to to start to unravel my own history because I I basically live four or five lives, and uh, and music is is the sort of the connective tissue in in the all all of my activities, but. Uh, there are so many different things that I do around music. Um, being an ethnomusicologist is a big thing. Uh, studying indigenous cultures and studying our own ancestry here in Finland and what music meant for people in, on ancient times and how music was used as a technology, not not just as a form of entertainment, but as a technology for for improving the life of, of uh, your community. And um, so basically the four lives, one is being a violinist, which alone includes many different kind of projects. Korpiklani is the most well-known internationally. And then my own solo project called Shaman Violin, which is based on the archived... Um, songs of 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 uh, shamans from the arctic area from all over the arctic area so so those uh, those things are the most meaningful for myself as a violinist then there's the phd that you mentioned which is linked to the same idea i'm studying uh, the dialogue that the shamans who I, I treat the shamans as, as musicians. You know, many of the performances are, are musical performances. So in those songs that they sing, there are forms of dialogue with the, with the uh, unseen forces and the mythical entities. And that dialogue is, is in focusing on my PhD. And... Um, I'm a founding member in a theater ensemble called Ruska Ensemble, which which collaborates with the indigenous people all over the Arctic areas. And uh, we have a quite high profile in, in Finland. We, we uh, collaborate with our national theater in Helsinki as our primary performance space. So, so that's kind of a big thing. And the fourth is... Uh, revitalizing traditions and maybe the most meaningful thing that I've done is that I taught people to cry. We have this uh, cry song, lament tradition here in, in Finland, which is actually a global tradition that was a musical way for people to help overcome the, the anxiety, grief and pain in rites of passage. So uh, I've uh, had the honor to to bring that tradition back to life in our modern society. So those are the successful ones. And if we, if we leave the unsuc- unsuccessful ones that take the 90% of my time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, th- I think we are sort of like into something interesting. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, you, you touch on something uh, just amazing there because you do have so much going on, and it's such, it's so broad and wide ranging. 
And and yet, yes, that there are these things going on in the background that we all have that don't quite play out the way we think they're going to play out. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 and all these things. Um, and, and I love that because it's real world. You know, in today's social media world, it's easy to focus just on on the shiny and what looks successful and the temporary. And so I, I love that you're <laughs> you're willing to connect and admit and, you know, you've got all this other stuff going on on top of the things that are working out and are going really well. And, you know, what one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the idea of following your passion. And, and I think I think of musicians as people who, who do that because it seems like it would be so difficult to get proficient if you weren't passionate about it. And I think yeah, a lot... That's absolutely true. And and not only to to get good enough to play, but I mean this is a crazy profession. Like like if you're not in it for your own passion, you just simply won't survive because uh uh, uh this is the most unpredictable profession to, to have. And and most random. There's no there's no guaranteed ways of, of of making it in this business. So at the end of the day, what do you have is that, did you follow your passion or did you not? You know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. That, well, you know, and, and some people I think get stuck, you know, thinking they have to find like, there's this one true passion out there waiting for them yeah. and they don't know how to move forward until they find it. They don't want to move forward. And then I, I hear the other side of it where, People will say, yeah, what you're passionate about is great, but, you know, better to find something that you can do that's steady and, you know, use that to fund your passion on the side. But but clearly that's not the path you followed. You, you found what you were good at. You found what you were passionate about and, and you've persisted. And, and let's talk about the, the craziness and unpredictability because, you know, you think of a musician's lifestyle and on the outside, it looks very glamorous. It looks fun. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> it fools a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you, you, you know, my, my wife refers to that as uh, the living the dream syndrome because, yeah. you know, she works with horses and that kind of likewise gets glamorized and sounds fabulous until, you know, it's Christmas Day and you're knee deep in manure trying to keep a horse from dying. And, you know, the, there is the very unglamorous side to it. And I think that's true of all dream jobs. So what are some of the things that, you know, people don't realize about the music business that, that you live with every day and you, you survive and thrive in it? Oh, mine. Uh, that's a big one because there, there, are, there are so many different realities within the music business. And, and, uh, first one is the young ones. Um, uh, well, first of all, it's it's a very insecure place to be, and uh, uh, even now that I play in a band that is well established and has a, has a strong following and and is sort of made it to the point where where we make solid income in an annual level, it still is. Uh, still is sort of like a twisted thing because the money doesn't come from the music anymore. Like if if we would be living in 1980s, I, I would be a millionaire by now. If we'd be living in, in 90s, I'd still make um, 
quite a lot of money from Korpiklani alone, but we are not living in 80s or 90s. And today, um, to be honest about it, uh, our traveling costs, our, our expenses are so high that when we go on tour, um, we can barely cover those those expenses. So where does our livelihood come from in, in Korpiklani is from the merchandise. So so it has nothing to do with music. Music just helps us to to um, sell overpriced T-shirts. <laughs> you know, so so that that tells you already sort of like what has happened in in our society that music like like you know you go on youtube and you you look a super famous artist and you say that there's 35 million views on that that one one um one youtube video uh it doesn't generate any money you know it it just doesn't so the, when it generates money is when somebody clicks an ad to something else and makes a purchase and then you know um the artist might get two cents out of it so so that's the whole that's the whole that's the biggest problem of where we are now is that music is no longer content that the masses would buy but music is used as as something to to draw attention uh, so that we can sell something else mm. You know, like Spotify, for example. Spotify is a magnificent platform. It's a magnificent user platform for anyone who wants to listen to music. And people are willing to pay for that user platform. But not really about the content. Mm. In in that sense. Like so Ah, so that's just one side of it, you know, like how the industry has changed. But there are great opportunities in it uh, just as well. Like for the first time in a, in a history of, of music, we are in a, in a situation that there are people making a livelihood without being known. Like they they have a niche and they have a follow-up of 10,000, 20,000 people online and that that follow up is their tribe and and you know those 10,000 people are willing to pay 20 20 euros or dollars a year for that artist for something something he or she does and that just provides a, an enough income to do it and uh, and you know in the 80s you had to be famous you had to be known to make a living, but not anymore. It's enough that you have a tribe, a tribe of people in a social network who are willing to to support you a little bit. So how do you build that tribe? Because, I mean, like you, at least in the U.S., you know, folk metal is very much a small niche. And yeah. especially, you know, a band that mostly sings in Finnish, a little bit of English, and you know mm-hmm. that that is a very tight niche. So how do you build that tribe? Uh, well, not by trying it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, you know, the story of Korpiklan is very special because uh, we really are a very unprofessional bunch of guys when when it comes to to marketing or business. 
um, like we don't plan things, we don't do anything right, and yet we we are quite successful in what we are doing. And sometimes I have a question like, what, where would we be if we would do everything right? You know, if we would follow all the marketing tricks and all the all the good advice out there, you know, if we'd focus on making the most out of it, where would we be? But then, you know, the question is that, would that be honest? Would it be authentic? Would it be us? Because, you know, at the end of the day, maybe our success is just because we do what we love to do and pe- and people sense it. They sense that that we are being real. So, you know, if we have a brilliant marketing strategy and, and beautiful photos and an active campaigns of this and that, we'd look just like every other band out there in that respect. So now in all the things that we do wrong... <laughs> I, you know, I can at least say that we are doing them honestly, and and we are we are bringing in something that is authentic, and something that we ourselves have a lot of fun doing, like real fun, not the glamour fun, which is not fun at all, <laughs> but but you know, real fun, and and real fun is about the joy of living this madness. You know, it's not easy. Like it's not easy to 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 be be at four a.m. in an airport loading all the gear in and and you know twenty hours without sleep uh, hit the stage and play you know to play a show. It's definitely not easy, but there's something there's something that is just in the in the absurdity of all of it. And in in the madness of all of it, you get to witness this world from from a point of view which is very privileged. Mm. You know, and as long as you remember that, you'll you'll start to make amazing connections with people and quite magical things happen on a way. And uh, you, you just have a lot of high points and a lot of low points. But not that many sort of okay moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that comes to a whole philosophy of life, you know. If you want to have a secure life and, and you know, you are happy with that, you'll never be a musician, mm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, it, it reminds me, I used to, to travel a lot as a consultant and there, there was this just kind of, I don't know if motto is the right word in the back of my head, but it was just the idea of no bad days. Like the, the yeah. clients do not care how my day is going. They, they are paying me yeah, to show they up. Don't. Yeah, they don't. And, same, and, same with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you mentioned that, you know, you've been up for 20 hours, you've set up all the gear and everyone is expecting you to come out and you have to come across as though it's the most important show you've ever done and full on enthusiasm. And and that's really hard to do, you know, almost any other job, you can have a bad day. Yeah. But, but everyone in the crowd there is expecting something different than they're expecting when they go down to the local market to buy something. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a different level. And, how do you do that? How do you 
play with full enthusiasm, even in those moments where maybe you'd much rather just be asleep? Well, uh, first of all, you really got to love it again. You know, we are back in that passionate attitude towards what it, what is it that you really do? Like there has to be something in what you do that really fires you up. And to me, that is all about alignment. You know, um, when I when I wake up in a day, I am either aligned with things that inspire, or I'm aligned with things that that uh, bring me down. So uh, there has to be like a conscious practice of of stepping over those moments and just find the alignment. You know, find the alignment where where it is that actually gives you a lot of energy. And personally, uh, as uh, as uh, I've worked a lot with indigenous people and shamanism has become very uh, important part of my life, I have I have a lot of tricks how to how to fine tune myself into that alignment. And that alignment for me comes from being aligned with nature. You know, Thinking back to not not thinking thinking the petty lives that we all live, you know, like every one of us can wake up in the morning and find the undone dishes lying everywhere. So you know that's the petty lives that all of us live, no matter how glamorous. And uh, so there's there's this way that I have that I connect with nature I you know I can take a glass of water and just remember that that water is is the same water that was here already when all life began you know that water has been circulating in the universe it doesn't you know it doesn't evaporate to the to the galaxy it stays here it just circles here all over and over again so with those kind of things i can take myself away from from petty little, little things petty meaningless things and find in myself an alignment with some, with those basic elements of life that are much bigger than myself wow so those are like little things that you know are part of my daily practice but now if we talk talk about doing a show there's so much more over there and one of the beautiful benefits that we have as a musicians when we are successful is that people have such a high expectation on us and that expectation actually aligns them in receiving something uh, greater than life and the more expectation the crowd has the easier it is to fulfill those ex- expectations. So they come in expecting a lot, and because of that, they they, they take away a they lot. Are, they are aligned to receive a lot. You know, they are already in the mindset, it's great to be here. I'm loving it. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely enthused to see this band. So when you walk in, when you walk on the stage, that expectation blows up. All of it blows up, you know, and expands enormously. Like, like you, you get like that sense that, that you know, 
you know, I basically just walk on stage and, and 10,000 people are cheering uh, in a big festival here in Europe. So, you know, the, the, that, is, that is like a moment where we come together, their expectations and their alignment to receive something great meets with our being, being there on stage and, and starting to do what we love to do. Mm-hmm. And, and there is so much alignment for the things that you love present right there that you practically cannot fail. The only way you can fail there is that you yourself start to focus on something that is not important. And, and, you know, something that kills your alignment. And that can happen, and it, it sometimes happens. Some shows are a struggle, but then that's the matter of professionality. Do you show that struggle that you have on that day? Do you show it to, to the audience or, or, or you don't? And, uh, you know, uh, Every once in a while, there are shows that you don't find that alignment in, in yourself and you don't have that energy, and, but you just got to do it. You just have to do it because, of, because you can't let so many people down, yeah. you know. So you, you just have to do the responsible thing and take care of the enthusiasm that others have. And and if you manage to do it, it's always rewarding. It's always very rewarding. But on a good night, all this happens automatically. You are just aligned with what you love. You are aligned with what those people expect. And it's just a dance. You know, it's just like, just a dance together. You know, like we do this, you react like that. You know, your response feeds us what we do feeds you and this sort of sort of like big moment of of community that happens there it's just so magical and it gives you so much energy that it doesn't matter if you've slept or not you know the show is only you know 45 minutes or 90 minutes sometimes 2 hours so you know uh you know all of us can can give the best for 60 minutes in any condition <laughs> if if we find the alignment for what we love yeah i've never thought about it that way you know one of the things i've noticed is that bands like you mentioned playing in front of you know tens of thousands at, at a festival yeah. and then coming to a really small venue of maybe only a few hundred people and it would be easy for, I think, for a band to feel like that's beneath them or, you know, yeah. it's just another night. It's gas money for the next stop. Yeah. And and yet the bands that are able to bring the, the amount of output and energy and connection it takes to really connect and interact with the audience the way you're talking about when there's tens of thousands of people, when that gets compressed into a small venue – it it becomes almost overpoweringly intimate. It, it it's an amazing absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, out of the close to a hundred shows I did the last year, two thousand eighteen, the one that that I think was the most, was the best, the highlight of of uh, of the year for me was in September. We were on a Russian tour. And we played in Omsk in uh, 
in a, really in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we we played there before two two years ago, and we had about four hundred people in. And uh, this year we had maybe less than a hundred. And you know, before the show started, we were like, "What's going on? Where's everybody?" You know, like, what have we done wrong to not uh, you know to not to get the same people that we we had last time? So. Uh, so, uh, but what happened during the show was that after after one or two songs, everybody who was there was making the most out of it. And uh, people started smiling. People were radiant. You know, their eyes were just, you know, glowing and radiant. And all of those hundred people, they came together in a most unexpected way. And everything they did and everything we did happened spontaneously at the same time. We were so in sync with those people. We were breathing in the same time. Our heartbeats were in sync. You know, if someone smiled, everybody smiled. If someone wanted to jump, everybody started jumping. And that sense, that intense sense of a community, of a connection, was something that I honestly believe that none of us walked away from that evening unchanged. Like every single one of us felt a a connection to each other that we haven't felt in a long, long time, maybe never. And once you have this kind of an experience, you can't go back and and be the same person you were before. You know, something changes in you. And uh, that is the magic, you know. That's the magic that that stays with me for for years. Like I'm sure I will remember this one night in Omsk for a very long time. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you, you know, well, we were talking before we started recording just a little bit, and you'd mentioned the idea of social joy. Is that what you're getting at there? That that connection between the crowd. Yeah. Well. That that's like a, one of the big things in in my life, you know. Like a lot of the a lot of the business coaches talk about knowing your value and and uh, knowing how to put a price tag on what you do and so on and so on. But that's really not enough, you know. You can know your value. You can you can price yourself perfectly, but if there's no interaction. There's, there's nothing. So at the end of the day, all the value comes from exchange. And exchange is always a social process. And uh, in my own life, uh, I've had this kind of, uh, I've taken a lot of things too seriously. <laughs> like way too seriously. And, uh, and uh, that has sort of like, created a lot of struggle in in my own business like a lot of expectations that i take too seriously that in order to this in order you know my motivation to do this is is to get there or or to to you know or well that's basically it you know my motivation for now is to get something done over there 
And uh, this is not a very healthy place of exchange because there's no joy. It's just dependency. Mm. Right. You know, it's like people got to find your product. People got to understand your value. No, who, who wants to listen to that? I don't. <laughs> it, it does become very dry and um, inhuman. Yeah. So for me, a big shift was that when I realized that what am I actually lacking in my my like in in my own efforts and in on in my own business is is social joy. I'm taking things way too seriously. And I shifted my focus from this um, so that I, I made the social joy one of the top priorities of my daily choices of what I do, you know, what business decisions do I do, what gigs do I say yes and what gigs do I say no. I made the social joy to be number one or number two on 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 the decision making process and it has changed everything just everything first of all i don't have a need to be that serious anymore <laughs> i have a way more fun in what i'm doing and people again people react to that that it's authentic it's real you know it's my joy and joy is captivating you know it's it's like um it's compelling you know it's like i want to have a piece of that too i want to mm. i want to be in the same playground with you because you you seem to have a lot of fun and these kind of things have just brought so much purpose on on everything that i do mm. and the beauty is that it's it's an immediate reward it's an immediate reward, you know, like, um, like after the show, you see, you see those people who were most taken about the, about the uh, evening, who, who are most joyous, who are like bursting from the experience because it was so much fun, you know, to go there and connect th with those people and, and say that, yes, thank you, you know, you made it, you made it, you made our day, you know, you know, for you, you know, our only purpose to come to your little town is to make you to feel like you do now. So, you know, because of your joy, because of your joy, we've done, we've done something right. You know, that's, that's the mentality that I have. And, you know, it is simply so rewarding. It is so rewarding to, to meet with people who are happy and joyous from what you've just done. It's an amazingly beautiful experience. You know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, thinking about it even just on a business or a transactional level, you know, no one ever says, yes, I want to be around that person. They are so intense and serious all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we like to be, we naturally like to be around people who are joyous, who are happy, who are inviting and inclusive. And, and I think we, we often miss that because we do get so serious about things. Uh, but you also touched on some, something else there. So one, I mean, that's just easy to miss. And yet our customers, our fans, whoever they are, you know, 
they don't connect with us if we're not enjoying ourselves. They, when, exactly. when, we, when we enjoy ourselves, they, they enjoy themselves and there's that connection. But I also love just what you were talking about there of using this idea of joy as a way of making decisions, life decisions, business decisions, can't even get the word out. Um, you, you know, really that being the filter of what's going to bring me into alignment, what's going to bring me joy, what's going to connect with a passion. I mean, it, it, for me, that just really tied together all the conversation we've been having here. Yeah. Well, uh, I can give you another, like an example of that shift in thinking. Yeah. Um, uh, with Gorbi Klani, the Lahti Symphony Orchestra, which is one of the top five symphony orchestras in Finland, contacted us that their brass section would love to do something together with us. You know, their only motivation in that request was social joy. Hmm. They weren't asking for money. They weren't asking for anything. They were just saying, guys, it would be really super cool to do something together with you. Well, now I am the only one who who is capable of doing brass arrangements for, for you know, for for because the other guys they don't they they're not educated as composers they they would be lost thinking the trans uh, the the different ways of writing to different instruments and putting notes on a paper and so on and uh, and for me that's not a problem but it it's a lot of work it takes a lot of work so I said no. I said no two years ago for that because I was thinking, my, my way of my thinking was that that's a lot of work. Um, I have time management issues. I don't seem to find a way to do that, to pull that off. And, I mean, it would be super cool. It would be really cool. But, no, don't have the time. Well, now that I have the social joy as my priority, I was looking at it differently. I was like, wait a second. I have like the, one of the best players, one of the best brass sections in a whole country who wants to work with me out of a joy. So maybe this is something important. Maybe this is actually something that I should prior, prioritize. And I decided that, yes, I'll do that. And, you know, I found that time to do those things. And uh, then uh, I didn't find enough of time. I, I called a friend of mine and, and said, that I, said that, would you help me out? I'm in a little bit of a time pressure here. I, I need two arrangements done. Like, could you help me out? And he's screaming on a phone like, can I? Can I, can I really write for those guys? And I'm like, well, you know, you it, it would be a lot of help for me if you could. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and this, you know, there was this expansion of joy that that's that started from that saying yes to it. And you know, we played in front of thirty thousand people in the Czech Republic last summer with those guys from the Lahti Symphony Orchestra. And was that a blast? You know, like it was really one of the best experiences of my own life. I wasn't getting paid, but, you know, I have a memory that I will remember, you know, to my deathbed and, and be grinning and saying, yes, that was worth it. <laughs> and, you know, just the pleasure of hearing, hearing uh, and performing those arrangements live, you know, 
uh, how many how many musicians get to get to even the that point that somebody actually plays what they've written on paper? And you know who knows where this leads to. Now we are playing eight shows in Finland, and the brass guys are just insisting to come along. You know they are paying all of their own expenses just to be there and play with us. So you know again we are for free for for the joy we are capable of offering our Finnish fans something absolutely unique, uh, something they don't expect, and something that will totally blow them out, blow them, blow, blow their heads off, you know. So uh, and with no cost, with absolutely no cost. You have any idea what would it cost if I would call the intendant of Lahti Symphony Orchestra and, and say that I need five of your brass players to come to this gig next Sunday? You know, you have any idea what the price tag would be? <laughs> not, not a bit. You know? <laughs> you know, so so all this is just generating itself, and down at the end of the day, if we go, if we want to look at the numbers that that we have, like on a business side, like what what are the dollars coming in? How do we know? How do we know how many albums more were sold because of this? How do we know? There's absolutely no way to know that, but we can be sure, we can be absolutely sure that we've given more than people expected. And everybody here in a business side understands the value of of being capable of pulling that trick off. You know, that's something that I, I think gets missed so much, just that the opportunity creates opportunity creates opportunity, you know, it, it expands and it if it were done on a dollars and cents spreadsheet decision, it would make no sense because like you say, there's no way of calculating how many, how many, how many more albums that you made in, you know, 2013 did you sell because of this thing you did in Czechoslovakia with the brass section? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, exactly. It, and you got to do something that that was joyous. I mean, that, Things build on things. What I mean by that is, you know, I, I, I often talk about I love meeting interesting people because they always know more interesting people. Um, yeah. it, you know, when you're focused on creating joy, that just creates more joy. It just cascades out in the opportunity. And I think that's such a great example of it, like where they reached out to you and then you've got other people. You're, <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that story where you're like, hey, do you have time? Could you do it? And they're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, for real, can I? Can I for real? <laughs> and, you know, and and you know, also a reminder of the just the things that sometimes seem like worse work to us. There's always someone out there that would you know just give a kidney to be able to do it. And yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, th- th- this has been fabulous, uh, Tomas. Um, really enjoy this conversation. Actually, there's more I'd love to ask you about. Sometimes this conversation could go on a really long time, but um, do want to respect your time. Do want, want to wrap up here. But, you know, two of the questions I always ask people are, how can people find you? And then how can people help you? You talk about putting out into the world. How, how can people help bring that back? Well, I think actually the internet is doing us wonderful things right now because uh, it's shifting our thinking to be more and more community-based. We don't 
necessarily understand what that community means right now because it's changing and it has changed so fast. But I think that there, you know, the communities that we have and the social networks that we have, um, they are like shifting our thinking and our, our behavior in, in a more communal approach to things. And, uh, and that's exactly how you can um, help me out as well. Like you can, you can find me from Facebook. There's a shaman violin, shaman violin um page on facebook so you can like that and and share that and spread the good news and also um you can join my email list uh, right now it's the best email list to be because i never post anything <laughs> so, so, so far there's there's absolutely no no trouble out of it and no fear of spam but but right now i'm so uh, busy with 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 other works that they're down right now there's not no specific ways to help but but just you know sharing with joy you know like sharing what has moved you and sharing that positive feeling to your friends and 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 uh, and following up what what i do and what we do in Korpiklani and with the shaman violin you know that alone that alone is a big thing excellent well, this has been fantastic. Um, I knew it'd be an interesting conversation, and it, it went even deeper and better than than I could have guessed. Um, Good, yeah. That's, let, let, you know, that's what I like. <laughs> Go over the expectations. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the I, I always enjoy connecting the, the the philosophical with the practical, and yeah. uh, all that we've been talking about, I think, does that very, very well. So, uh, anyway. Thank you very much again. This has been fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'd love to know what was your biggest takeaway? What were the points that inspired you? What would have been your biggest lessons? What are you going to take and apply in your own life? And I know I just asked you about four or five questions right there in a row, but they're all really basically the same question. You know, what are you going to take from this conversation that you just listened to and applying to your own life to help you get unstuck, help you get out of your own way, help you move forward, help you live and operate your business or operate your career with even more impact? I'd love to know. Uh, you can send me an email, Imperfect Action Podcast. That's all one word, Imperfect Action Podcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Brock Edwards, that's at B-R-O-C-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. You can leave comments on the website. So many different ways to let me know, but I do want to hear from you.